0: I would invite you to take your copies of Scriptures this morning with me and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. In a moment, I'll read the first 17 verses. There will be a day when there will be a myriad of myriads of people around the throne of God, singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, to receive blessing, honor, glory, and power, wisdom, and strength. All glory be to Christ. And what a reminder we have that Jesus Christ is our chief shepherd. He is the one who is caring for His church. He is the one who is leading His church. He is the one who is watching over His church, protecting His church. He is the one, as it says in Revelation, who stands in the midst of the seven lampstands, which are the seven churches. And may it be comfort to us this morning that Jesus stands in our midst, tending to His lampstand so that its light would continue to shine in this dark world. He reminds or warns the church in Ephesus to not lose its first love, for if they did not return to their first love, he would put out their lampstand. May we continue to shine that the Lord would not put out his lampstand. How thankful we are that our Savior, who has the sword, who is coming out of his mouth, is guarding and protecting his church. With that in mind, would you stand with me as we read from God's Word, Exodus 21 through 17 as I get to verse 17, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and together we will say, thanks be to God. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you stand at the door and knock. Would we today hear your voice and open the door so that you would come into us and eat with us and we With you, we pray in your name, amen. May be seated. How do you identify yourself? And what's the basis for your identity? Where do you start? If you were to identify yourself, how would you begin? You start with your looks. You start with where you live. Start with your background, maybe who you're related to. You start with your character. Do you rattle off your social security number? or do you start with your name I bet that's where many of us would start hello my name is and yet if we think about it our name and our name alone will not tell other people too much about who we are and yet we still see our names as important as necessary as a vital part of who we are as people and how we identify ourselves our names are part of our identity When we come to the third word of the ten words here in Exodus 20, we find that this third word revolves around a name. But this is not just any name. This is God's name. And in our world, there is no better place to start than knowing God's name and knowing God's identity. We often, in our lives, begin to ask the wrong question of ourselves we often start by asking the question who am I in fact I wonder if that's oftentimes what we teach our children where we teach them to start where they would ask the question first who am I it's true we want our kids to figure out who they are but this is not the place to start the primary question the very first question that they must learn to ask is, who is God? When we search and seek for the answer to this question, when we open our Bible and learn the truth about who God is, when we begin to understand His identity, it is then and only then that we will begin to understand who we are as people. There is no greater foundation you can give your children than to teach them first about who God is and who they are in light of and in relation to this God. That is why today many people are confused about their identity and lost. They've gotten it the wrong way around. They began to ask who they are, forever considering who God is. How did I get here? why am I here what's the purpose what's the standard for right and wrong in my life without a foundation of who God is all of these questions will not find any meaning or will not get them anywhere and if people don't ask the right question first they've really made no progress in figuring out who they are Because they don't know God. Looking around in our world today, identity confusion abounds. And so we ask ourselves this morning first, do we know, do you know God's name? Or even more pointedly, do you know God? In the third word, we receive a prohibition about how we approach, treat, or speak God's name. Because God's name and His person go hand in hand. Knowing God's name, we are also knowing His person and also so knowing God. And we know this word very commonly to say this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Let's unpack that phrase, though, for a moment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Other translations might have a slight variation on it. They might say, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Putting the two together, taking the, no- taking the name of the Lord in vain is misusing God's name. And if we listen to what's said here, we will understand it even better. First, it says, you shall not take how do you take a name do you take it in the sense of taking hold of it take it in the sense of using it the idea here behind taking the lord's name is this idea of lifting up so you take the name by lifting up the name and you can think about this in the context of worship When you lift something up, you exalt it, you elevate it, you celebrate it, you praise and glorify it. So far, it sounds good, doesn't it? Lift up the name. But next, let's focus on that word vain or in vain. The idea behind this word is that it is something worthless or empty or false. So if we go back and expand on what this verse says, it says, "You shall not lift up the name of the Lord your God to what is worthless or empty or false." You shall not attribute the name of God or connect the name of God or marry the name of God to what is a lie, to what is false, to what is untrue, or to what is meaningless. The worship of God is at stake. And how you treat the name of God either will lead you into true worship or it will destroy worship, and you will end up worshiping that which is no God at all. The last little nugget... (laughs) In this small verse that helps us understand it even better is how the Lord communicates to us. And so there's a little change that happens here in this third word that he gives to us. So far as we've read through these words, God has been speaking to us in the first person. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Do not be those who hate me, but be those who love me. And so, so far the Lord has been speaking of himself in the first person, but there's a change here that happens now as we come to these words. He does not say, you shall not take my name in vain. That would be in keeping with the way he's already been speaking. Now he shifts it and changes it, and he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He changes it to the third person. Why does he do this? He does this to emphasize his name. This isn't just any other name This isn't a name to be dismissed lightly. This isn't a name that is to be taken for granted. This isn't a name that can be changed on a whim. This isn't a name that we get to decide the meaning of. No, this is God's name, and it is the most precious name in the entire universe. This is what the Lord highlights. His name is precious. It is to be cherished. It is to be adored and prized above every other name. And it tells us that the Lord God cherishes his own name more than any other name. That is how important his name is to himself. And he calls upon us, his people, to treat his name as precious. To cherish it. To desire it to adore it and apprise it above everything else. And this is, listen to it here, this is the name of the Lord your God. Here again, we're brought back to this idea of a covenantal relationship with the Lord. He is our God and we are His people. And what is it that holds this covenant together? What is it that... Brings these two parties together. What is it that binds them together? I would propose it is the very name of the Lord that holds this relationship together. It's what binds them together. It's nothing less than the precious name of the Lord. And how can you say you have such a close relationship, a covenant bond with the Lord if you don't know his name and if you do not speak his name in a way that is meant be spoken the Lord desires to bind his name to his people because it's his name that is going to hold this relationship together we show that today in our own lives in our own marriages What does the wife do when she marries a husband? She takes his name. This is the name now that she has. It's this name that binds them together. In fact, one of my pet peeves are women on Facebook who would put their name They put their first name and their last name, but they put their maiden name in there as well, right? Why do they do that? I've heard people say, well, it's because I want someone to find me, if maybe if they only know my maiden name. If they only know your maiden name, are they really your friends? (laughs) Like You don't know? They got married? It's a pet peeve. I'm not saying it's a sin, but there's a greater reality that happens. This woman now has a new name that she's taken, the name of her husband. And that's a reflection of us and God's name. He's given us a new name. He's taken away the old name, the name that was bound to sin, the name that was going to hell, and he's given us his own name. Why would we ever want to go back to that other name? We wouldn't want to go back to it. There's nothing for us there in that old name. We don't want to be known by that no- old name. We want to be known by our new name. We would never want anyone to find us only knowing that old name. i get off my soapbox. <laughs> but it's God's name that binds him to his people and holds them together. If we are going to obey and not take the name of the Lord in vain, we must know about God's name. And in discovering more about God's name, we will at the same time learn about what it means to take the name of the Lord in vain. So three truths I want us to remind ourselves of about the name of God this morning. You can find these truths in your bulletin there follow along as we go through them this morning if you find that helpful number 1 god has revealed his name god has revealed his name this might seem very obvious to you if you have been a christian for a very long time that god has revealed his name it might not be a truth at first glance that would grab a hold of your soul and shake you to your very core but that's just what it should do. Maybe this is something you don't know or maybe it's something that you've taken for granted or never given much thought to. How is it that we are going to know God's name? It's because He's revealed it to us. He's revealed it to us according to His own sovereign will and design, precisely according to His plan. He gave us his name. No one forced him to do it. He was completely and utterly and entirely free. And God so chose to reveal his name to mankind. And so God revealed his name to us. Exodus, in the Hebrew language, is called the book of names. And there are many important names that we learn about in the book of Exodus. But is there any doubt... That the most important name and the greatest name that we learn in the book of Exodus is God's name. It's the name of the Lord. And if we read the entire book of Exodus and we miss God's name, we've missed the heartbeat of the book. It's the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3, verses 13 through 15. It says this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever." And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Here is the name of God, Yahweh, or as it's shown in our Bible, Lord, in all caps. Whenever you see that word Lord and it's in all caps, it's the name Yahweh. And undergirding this name is who He is as the great I am. The Lord has always been. The Lord is who He is. The Lord is. Will be who he has always been, and he is the self sufficient, self existent, unchanging, and eternal God. So at the very beginning, we read about the Lord revealing his name to Moses, and then towards the end of the book, the Lord again proclaims his name. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7, it says this The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Here it is, God's name at the heart of our redemption and our salvation and our reconciliation to God and our atonement to God that we've been made at one with Him. And notice the focal point of God's name in these verses. We are drawn into His mercy and His grace. We are told that His steadfast love abounds and His faithfulness extends to us. We are assured that He keeps His steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty of those who continue to rebel against Him and hate Him. This is why the name of the Lord is so important, because God's very being is tied to His name. It encapsulates... His entire essence. The name of God is not merely Yahweh. It is all of who He has revealed Himself to be to us. And the fact that God has revealed His name to us speaks of His grace that He's given to us. We did not deserve to receive God's name. We had not earned the right to hear God's name. His name is too great And too wonderful for us to somehow think that we have a right to God's name. No, receiving God's name from himself is a precious gift. And with his gift comes a great privilege. And let us draw our minds to what God has done in revealing his name to us. He condescended to us. He came down. We even read that in Exodus 34. He descended to proclaim his name. He's made his name intelligible to us. We can understand it. We can comprehend it with our finite minds. We cannot comprehend it completely, but in coming to us, God has made it so that we can understand and so that we can know him. But think about this God revealed his precious name to his own vulnerability and to his own hurt. God said, I will reveal my name to you knowing full well that it could be drugged through the mud. Knowing full well that it could be taken in vain I will still reveal my precious name to you. That he would give his name, knowing that it would be dishonored, spit upon, and despised, but he gave it anyway. Why would God do such a thing? Oh, the love of God who would say, this is according to my plan for mankind to redeem them and rescue them and save them. They must know my name. There is no other way. When we take the name of the Lord in vain, we trample upon the grace of God. If in God's grace He has revealed His precious and great name to us, what must we do? Brings us to the second truth. God's name must be upheld as holy. God's name must be upheld as holy. Of your Bibles and just flip back a little bit to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 speaks of an event that we know as the Tower of Babel. About these men in the land of Shinar and their desire to make this tower that reaches up to heaven. Look at what it says in verse 4. Then they said, Come, Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. I would propose that this is a major problem in the heart of mankind. People who would say, let us make a name for ourselves. Let our name be known. That man would rather make a way in this world on his own so that his name would be lifted up, so that his name would be exalted instead of receiving the gracious name of God. You can't make a name for yourself and bear God's name at the same time. And how many people are struggling with this? How many people in our world, maybe even people here this morning, struggling with making a name for themselves? Wanting to make themselves known? Wanting their own name to be lifted up? When it's God's name that must be upheld as holy. And to think how we get to this place where all of us started. So let's be honest for a moment. All of us started at this place of wanting to make a name for ourselves. How do we get from that place to this place where now we see that the Lord's name is holy and his holy name must be upheld? Something has to happen, right? A change has to happen in our hearts We have to have our eyes opened to see that our name on its own will not get us anywhere. It will not make a difference in this world. And instead, think of what Ecclesiastes says. You're going to die, and guess what? Your name is going to be long forgotten. No one's going to remember it. You work and work and work, and they forget your name. And to think that God would bring us to the point where we say, Trying to make a name for myself is vanity, it's worthless, it will come to nothing. And God opens up our eyes to see that his name is glorious, his name is great, his name is the name that we need for ourselves. To then putting his name upon us and saying, Now, my child, uphold my name as holy. And then what does Jesus teach us? When you pray, pray like this Our Father who art in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. The very first thing that we pray is a prayer to God, glorifying Him and speaking to Him that His name is truly holy. There is no other name. And think about what Jesus teaches us as a church. He makes us stewards of that holy name. He says, church, my people, you are the ones who are to uphold my name as holy in this world. When we uphold his name as holy, we are saying he is set apart from us. We are saying that his name is completely devoted to himself and to his glory. That he is completely perfect without sin whatsoever. And this is a truly God-centered prayer. And it teaches us how our prayers are to be God-centered. And his name is glorious because his name has a weight to it, a heaviness to it. Such weight and such a heaviness that we must not take away. Listen to what the psalmists say. Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Or Psalm 66, sing to the glory of his name. This is what we are saying when we say the name of the Lord is glorious, that it is weighty, that it is heavy. Yet how many would rather make the name of the Lord light? How many would want to make his name weightless? How many would rather make his name just common or just like any other name? Or, even worse, to make his name a source of derision and cursing? This is where we see the rubber meet the road in this commandment. What does it mean not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. We often think about this as not taking the name in a flippant or irreverent way. So, not to use it as an expletive or a curse word. If you would simply stop the OMGs and using Jesus Christ as a swear word, all would be good. this third word is definitely prohibiting this kind of use but it's much more than this but before I pass on from using God's name in vain in this way irreverently or as an expletive if you would be tempted to use God's name or the name of our Savior this way let me warn you the problem is not merely with how you misuse the name of the Lord, it's the fact that this kind of swearing or cursing is a symptom of a much deeper problem. The real ailment, the heart of the problem, is unbelief. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if your mouth is using the Lord's name in this way, you're only showing that you're estranged from God. While we recognize that this fits within the category of taking the Lord's name in vain, it's not limited to this. So let's think for a moment about other ways we could lift up God's name to what is false. So, you could also take the name of the Lord your God in vain by attempting to use His name to control Him. This is what we would call sorcery. Now, we might not think of sorcery much in our day. We're modern people. We're beyond sorcery. But that's what sorcerers did. They took names of gods and tried to use those names to control their gods to get them to do what they wanted them to do. And so would we ever be guilty of that today? Here, God uses name, God, uh, we use God's name for selfish ambition to get what we want, to satisfy our own fleshly desires, to use it to glorify ourselves, to make ourselves look good, to make ourselves look impressive. In fact, we see this in the book of Acts. If you remember in the book of Acts, in the city of Ephesus, there were these Jewish exorcists. And this is what it says about them in Acts 19. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists And the man in whom the, was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Do you hear it there? Here are these men. They invoke the name of Jesus, thinking that invoking that name would give them some kind of power some kind of authority. They were able to accomplish something. They would make a name for themselves that they would show themselves to be impressive. Look what we've done. We've exercised this demon, but what happens? It all backfires. The demon comes upon them and overpowers them and masters them and shames them. Maybe we would think for a moment, we would never do that today, would we? And yet, perhaps, how easy it is done when we invoke the name of God so that our will would be done. When we invoke God's name to get our own way, we see that it's no accident what Jesus teaches us to pray next in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if you uphold god's name as holy you will want his will to be done you won't use his name to control him you won't use his name to get what you want you won't use his name for your own will for your own selfish ambition or desire you will pray lord your will be done we can also take the name of the Lord in vain through heresy or through false teaching. It's saying things like, thus says the Lord, when the Lord has it thus said. <laughs> and how our day offers a plethora of examples, and all we have to do is turn on the television. So much of what is peddled before our eyes in the so-called prosperity gospel Yet let us be sure that it is no gospel at all, for it cuts out Christ and the cross. They preach and promise health, wealth, and happiness to those who follow them. They say, if you just repeat positive confessions, just focus your thoughts and generate enough faith, God will release blessings on your life. They claim that God promises a healthy and financially prosperous life. But let us be clear, it is an egocentric theology. So let us be warned about this false gospel being peddled by so many, not only in our country, but around the world. It's growing so much in so many impoverished countries around the globe. Let us pray that it would stop. But maybe we would object and say, well, I would never fall into this heresy, false teaching, Perhaps not, but let's also be careful about what we slap God's name on. One example is there is a parenting curriculum called Growing Kids God's Way. Now, I'm not questioning the heart behind this teaching, but let's be honest here. The Bible says nothing about sleep schedules for your children. When we say something is God's way, we better make sure it's really God's way from His Word. We can also take the name of God in vain through false oaths. We invoke the name of God. We promise to do what we never intend to do. Leviticus 19.12 says this, You shall not swear by by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. And so we might also say with this, do not use God's name to defend evil or sinful living in your life. If you would say, the Spirit led me to do this, God told me to do that, we slap God's name to give credibility to what we are doing. You can't judge me. God said, God told me, God's Spirit said, it's okay. Don't tell me otherwise. I know that I am good. One commentator says, boosting the credibility of our own words by invoking God's name as our witness drags down God's name. Here's one simple test. If what you are doing contradicts God's Word and what God's Word tells you to do, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, did not lead you to do it, and God did not tell you to do it, because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do anything that contradicts the Word of God, and God will never tell you to do anything that contradicts His Word. We can also use the name of the Lord our God in vain when we attribute his work to the work of another, or even worse, attribute his work to Satan. This is what happened with Jesus and the scribes, right? The scribes came to him and they accused him and they say, you are casting out demons because you are the prince of demons. You are the Beelzebub." And what does Jesus say? That is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is the unforgivable sin. And so we want to be careful that we don't attribute God's work to someone else or even worse, to Satan. Because the one who does such a thing is guilty of eternal sin. Another way we take the name of God in vain is when we speak it in a way that is thoughtless and repetitious. I think maybe the greatest example of this is when it happens in prayer. We begin to use Lord or Jesus or God as fillers in our prayer. Instead of saying um or you know, we start to just use Jesus or Lord or God. and We just fill it up and say it over and over again. One Dutch theologian says this, such also is true for thoughtless prayer and when one uses the name of the Lord as a stopgap in the absence of verbal fluency. He's saying, you don't know what to say? You just use God's name as a stopgap there in your prayers. One more way we take the name of the Lord in vain when we live a life Inconsistent with the glory that is due to His name. We would say this is hypocritical living. It's those who, though they have God in their mouths, have the devil in their hearts. Isaiah 29 says this, Because this people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me and their Fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Here is where we are called to the carpet because it goes beyond orthodox conviction. Our lives and who we are cannot stop with right doctrine or right teaching. If right doctrine and right teaching are all that we have, we don't have all that we need. Our orthodox conviction, our right teaching must be clothed with a Christian lifestyle that's preoccupied with giving glory to God. You can take the name of God in vain by the very way that you live your life. A Puritan named Elton Truebud says this, The worst blasphemy is not profanity, but lip service. The worst blasphemy is not profanity, but lip service. Here, earnestness in our living is required. Living lives that are worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what an awful thought that we would give the world ammunition to despise the name of God and our Savior Jesus Christ by the very way that we live our lives. Would we never dishonor God's name? Would we always uphold it and give it glory and honor and praise? Would our words and our lives be consistent with the truth of the gospel so that we would lift high the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer? Because when we take the name of the Lord our God in vain, we desire to make our name superior to His name. But dear brother and sister, our name is never superior to His name. Our name will never be above His name. Our name will never be more glorious than His name. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many towers we build, we will never make a name for ourselves with any meaning and without any purpose unless we are those who have been graced with God's name imprinted upon our souls and our hearts and our minds and our lives. And so we come to the final truth. God will vindicate his name. God will vindicate his name. We come to the second half of the verse, don't we? The Lord will not hold him guiltless who lifts up his name to what is worthless and false. This is no small sin. This is a serious, serious, odious, heinous sin. You may deceive and lie about who God is, but there is judgment for those who persist in this way. God will not allow the lie to persist. He will put it to an end so that the truth of who He is will prevail. Taking the Lord's name in vain will not go unnoticed by God. He sees your life, He hears your words, He sees your heart. To dishonor His name is to dishonor and reject His very presence. And some would even go so far as to say taking the name of the Lord our God in vain is to put into question even His very existence. And perish the thought. You might think you're getting away with something, but God makes it right in the end. God will vindicate his name. He will prove his name to be glorious. He will not hold him guiltless who takes the name of the Lord his God in vain. Do we see this as serious? I mean, you think about it, what it says in God's Word that every idle word we will have to give an account for. Perish the thought that any of those idle words would be the very name of God. We might lie about God with our words, with our lives. But his name will be shown to be glorious in the end. And he has already done this through his Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in John 17. I, this is Jesus speaking, I have manifested your name. So here's Jesus praying to God. He says, I have manifested your name. Your name to the people whom you gave to me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And So what is Jesus saying? I've manifested, I've showed them, I've demonstrated, I've given them your name. You want to know the name of God? Look to Jesus Christ, the one who perfectly manifested the name of God for all of those who follow him to see. In Him, we see the fullness of the name of God in bodily form. And look at what He did to supremely manifest God's name. So, in your Bibles, turn to Philippians 2. This is absolutely, utterly amazing. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Have this mind which is among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's speaking to us, church. Have the same mind of Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. By being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here is Jesus Christ, not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be taken for his own, for his own self, but he poured himself out by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men. He was found to be in human form he humbled himself what by becoming obedient to the point of death and then see how Paul puts it even death on a cross here's Jesus Christ manifesting the name of God and how does he do that he does that through his own death even death on a cross what happens what happens when Christ is there on the cross that's the name of God When you were hung on a cross, you were considered accursed, cut off from God, nothing, shamed. The world would say, Jesus, hanging on the cross is the worst thing that could have happened to God's name. That would have dragged God's name through the mud. There is nothing more shameful, there is nothing more dishonorable, there is nothing more disgusting in all of the world than someone who would die on a cross. But what happened? Verse 9. Therefore, therefore, because of all of this, because of all that Jesus Christ has done in coming to this world and dying on a cross, everything that he has done, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him what? The name that is above every name. It was Jesus on the cross that brought him to this point where he would then receive the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What the world says should have shamed God's name, what the world says made God's name look awful and horrible and revulsive and vile, God said, this is my plan to glorify my son and give him this name that is above every other name so that everyone would worship him. That is the name that is placed upon us who believe. This is the name that we bear. It's a name that we bear now and it's a name that we bear on into eternity and the remedy, the remedy for all of this is confessing the name. If you are here this morning, and all you know is taking the Lord's name in vain, if all you know is sinning against the Lord, if all you know is maybe even wanting to use the Lord for your own benefit and for your own gain, the remedy to that is confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's something that God does here in your heart to open up your heart and mind to understand that you are a sinner, that all you do is want to make a name for yourself, and then coming to Him and repentance and confession and saying, I am a sinner. Jesus, save me. And then you are able to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you're able to say the new name that's been given to you. This is what Paul says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame if you believe in a Savior who was crucified and shed his own blood on the cross, but then three days later rose again from the dead. You will not be put to shame if you believe that, if you put your faith and trust in that, if you give yourself to that. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who do what? Who call on Him. If you have not called upon the name of the Lord, today is the day. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then you will bear His name. and it will be the name that you want to bear and the name that you want to uphold is holy. But dear Christian, let me ask you this morning. Do you bear the true name of Christian? Do you cherish that name because you truly belong to Christ? Because you have died with Him and because you have been raised from the dead with Him and because you are seated with Him in the heavenly places, Is his name the name that's imprinted on your soul? Look at the book of Revelation, the very end, chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 4. Here's what we look forward to in eternity, forever and ever, in the full, unadulterated glory of God. Verse 4, They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. These are the people who bear the name of God and of the Lamb, forever and ever. We will never forget That we are His. And so now, we will not lift up His name to what is false. We will live consistently according to His name. We will tell the truth about who Jesus Christ is with our mouth and with our lives. We will not merely give lip service. We will not make our mouth full of Christian language but have hearts that are far from Him. But instead, we will do everything... Whatever we do, in word or in deed, in everything, we will do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father always through him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how precious, how glorious, how great. Is your name. There is no other name, and our Savior has the name that is above all names, and it's so to Him that we bow this morning. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we have not lived consistently with this name. Help us to realize the new name that we've been given in Christ. And help us to have no desire to go back to the old name. There's nothing there for us. All that we have, we have because of Christ. All that we are, we are because of Christ. And all that we give, we give to Christ. Father, if there is someone here this morning who would say that their life is only lived in making a name for themselves, living against the name of God, that today you would open their hearts to the truth of the gospel, to the Savior who became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, to bear our sin and our shame and to forgive us in His name. There is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must, we must be saved. And so, Father, today I pray that there's anyone here who does not know you that they would today put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, believe that you raised him from the dead, and have them confess with their mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. May that be our continual confession until our last breath here on this earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.